persuasive words. I'm Scott Jones. And I'm Bill Bohr. And we're back again once more into the saddle. We have people watching Facebook Live. So if anyone asks a question, we'll try to field it. But Yeah, we're up to that, doing that today. Uh, it's a stormy day here in uh, northeast, northeast part of north of Philadelphia. The, yeah, the, the skies. Remember that Seinfeld that where George was talking about how he, saved, how he saved the whale by pulling the golf ball out? The sea was angry that day, my friends, <laughs> like an old man trying to s- yeah. send back soup at a deli. <laughs> and winter is finally going to get here Sunday night. Yeah. I tried to read. Uh, a Muslim uh, friend of mine posted why uh, an article from, I guess, this week, while, why Game of Thrones is dangerous to our souls, immortal souls. And it's actually, it was fun to see right-wing Christians come together with Muslims uh, in unity against Game of Thrones. That's what I call ecumenism. Here we go. Yep. Well, Game of Thrones, well, I will be... <laughs> I'll be watching. I'll be putting my soul in danger. That's uh, just so we... we yeah, know yeah. So this is part of our... So, Bill, we have one episode to go before our 150th episode. We're actually going to have somebody who's agreed to actually kind of interview us about the past 149 yeah, we have com- we have compromising pictures of him. So exactly, he's agreed to exactly. work with us. We've gotten so. them from Russian attorneys, <laughs> Russian attorneys, former KGB agents. How many more things do you think are going to drop? Oh, I think uh, Legion is their name. At what point do you, they they said like there uh, there's different perspectives on how to deal with this? And like Kushner wants like the lawyers to like even go after the little news bar at the bottom and have them update. It's just just really interesting. I don't know. Yeah, no, and there's all kinds of other lawsuits. There's a lawsuit, multiple lawsuits going against Trump in the Trump campaign that have nothing to do uh, with this. Uh, there's one with the Federal Election Commission. Uh, I forget there's another one. So we'll just say that uh, if you are a lawyer in the orbit of Donald Trump or his family, um, you are a happy person right now. If yeah. you get paid. Yeah. Well, yeah, right. There's a lot. <laughs> That's the other thing. We're talking billable hours. And that really is so much of, of the law. As our friend Ellis, who, who's, I think, watching, can tell you, it's all about the billable hours. Yep. That's yeah. back in the old days when you're uh, daytimer. That's why they had that increments of five minutes. on them. And they do mention this book, Super Lawyer Covers. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Should we mention anything about uh, the Eugene Peterson controversy? Uh, other than we're both depressed by it. And we can. Yeah. We can. No, people I don't. want us to weigh in. No one's asked us to weigh in. I, I just think, though, you know, I, I think uh, from if you have a 50,000-foot view of the thing somewhere in outer space, you see evangelicals are hugging and pawing Donald Trump to pray over him and throwing stones at Eugene Peterson. There's something wrong from, with that vision from 50,000 feet. There's something wrong with it from seven feet. <laughs> what vantage? What distance would it not? Would it not be something wrong? With it? <laughs> would you really have to go to Bette Midler's from a distance? No, no. from up close, from a distance, in between, from telegraph. <laughs> da, 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 something wrong. Stop. Da, 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 da. I mean, you could get it across really in any medium. Yeah. yeah, I also, you know, it's interesting that I think. It, so many people have things that they think, well, if somebody disagrees with me on X or Y, that everything, the whole, th- their whole structure of their faith is wrong. You know, right. all of a sudden, someone who you trusted is, is completely wrong. So I just, I just find that that's, I mean, foolish consistency is the hobgoblin I, of the narrow mind. Yeah, I find it fascinating that these evangelicals who have actually a false, a historical view of the Bible are constantly evoking some sort of magisterium that they're condemning 
you know they 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 have they see heresy everywhere and i'm and the fact that they're they're very the their hermeneutic is probably i wouldn't call it heretical it's just erroneous but it's just it's funny to me that uh or anachronistic at least yeah and so i think it's just interesting to me and i gosh i tell you man for uh uh you know we wouldn't do very well in john 8 if john 8 if, if the scene in john 8 was to take place now Man, people be winging stones at that woman before she knew what was going on. Jesus would not be pleased. So no, yeah, I don't know that I do well in any chapter of the Bible. Really, I'm sure we can find out. Uh, those out you, if you can find a chapter of the Bible that Scott would do well, please let us know. Nothing in Joshua. No, or Judges. Let's stay away from Judges. Judges no. Really weird stuff. Leviticus. Most of my stuff below the below the belt <laughs> is intact, so I could enter the temple. I think Philemon. Philemon. Yeah. Yeah, you'd be fine with Philemon. Yeah. So. Third John. Third John. <laughs> I, I asked sometimes, there was a, they were doing this commentary series, Rusty Reno at Brazos. That's a great commentary series. I mean, like, it is, it is a fine commentary series. I mean, series, so, like yes. in any series, some yeah, are better than others, but overall, it's excellent. So I was talking, I said, can I do Third John? <laughs> I, <laughs> it's easy. Like, I want to, I've got my, I've got my uh, uh, name in the hat for Obadiah. I like that. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, there we go. Obadiah's a little long for me, but. Um, <laughs> Third John, a few more verses than Third John. Few, yeah. Yeah. So we we're going to. So we're in the process. We just decided that we would uh, revisit some of our original episodes as we approach the 150th episode, and even beyond, maybe. But we some of the early ones were just they're in an older file format. And I haven't transcribed them. They don't sound great anyway. So we thought we would actually revisit some original themes from the first, from the early days, Bill. From the days, yeah. Like somebody, the, somebody said they listened, like, they were driving all the time, and they listened to, like, they said something like, the sound from episodes 1 to 40 was a little rough. <laughs> and they listened to them all in, like, a couple weeks. We were, well, the first ones, we were sitting around one mic in an echoey room. Yeah, I mean, it was, yeah. it was pretty interesting. Yeah. So anyway. we wanted to revisit friendship. Yes. And I found this quote from Aeneas, no, Aeneas Nin. Yes, Aeneas Nin. Who is I don't know who Anais Nin is. Uh, she actually uh, she hung out with Henry Miller um, in the twenties, kind of a, an early <laughs> an early feminist erotic writer, actually. I like but, it, but a writer, feminist writer. It's not the only reason we should admire her. Uh, but yeah, she was a lover of Henry Miller, the great author, and a bunch of those intellectuals there and that were in Paris during that time. So I was a poor, I was a free man in Paris once. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know there was there was there was a free man in Paris yesterday. <laughs> Uh, Did you see what he said to Macron's wife? (laughs) I was on that stumble. We almost got you. Did it with your free man in Paris. You are the man. I did it. Nathan says you are the man. (laughs) (laughs) He said uh, to Macron's wife. I mean, you're in beautiful shape. Your body, physically, you're in great shape. On Jimmy Kimmel last night, he kept saying, going, you could see Trump going into me. He goes, whatever you do, don't say anything about her age. Don't say anything about her age. He's in her monologue, and it just, yeah, well, you know. By the way, I love how Colbert said that, you know, Don Jr., you know. I, he apologized. I, I, his, his lawyer, but his lawyers was like, you know, because tw- I'm just getting all out there. Of course, because most lawyers, I, you know, when you watch most crime dramas, lawyers uh, come into the interrogation room, don't stop talking and tweet out everything. <laughs> <laughs> all right, back, All right. To, back, back to, to the friendship. Yes. All right. She says that each friend represents a world in us, a world possibly not born until they arrive. And it is only by this meeting that a new world is born. Hmm. Yeah, I thought that was very that's, that's, that is. Yeah. moving. 
Well, you know, it's it's part of I think the original uh, version of this, if, uh, if memory serves me right. We we talked a little bit about how this podcast really it, it developed out of our friendship. Yeah, out of our conversations, and um, you know, I, I think that's part of what um, I mean. This our friendship is something that's really has uh, feeds me intellectually. I mean, you, I learn from you all the time, um, and that's certainly the intellectual give and take and sometimes we push each other we don't see everything the same way but i always learn from you uh, and it's also born that we've you know we've walked through some pretty tough times together as yeah well. yeah we've been there yeah i mean we've been in each other's stories for a long time yeah and i think you know it's interesting somebody who listens to the podcast and had listened to like has been you know went back and listened to, to uh, you know st- started listening like last year or this year and then went back and listened to all of them he he noted some things about like the way we talk and that's what i had noticed so i think actually as it's going on the conversations you hear on the podcast are get more and more like the conversations that aren't on the podcast like i i feel like we're less conscious in some ways yeah. we're probably more conscious and by more conscious i mean maybe not in the best way like self-conscious right. no, like no. okay well, and i feel like as it's going on it, it, we're just it's a lot more organic right yeah. So, so if you like the podcast and you're in Philadelphia, you'd enjoy spending time with us. If you don't, you won't. <laughs> and you're probably not listening anyway. Right, 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 right. So that's basically, you know. Oh, Steve Lipless, he likes the podcast though. In a in a in an inverted kind. He of would way. love to hang out with us. Yeah, that would be fun for me too. <laughs> He's your biggest fan, dude. Oh yeah, good. God bless you, Steve, if you're listening. We wanted to take a quick break from our conversation about friendship to thank a few of you, our sponsors. Leia Paulos, Peter Stegenwald, Samantha Blythe, Sari Graham, Jordan Morseberger, and Josh Redder. Thank you all for being my Patreon sponsors. If you want to sponsor this podcast and help keep this content that you enjoy coming out, please just go to patreon.com forward slash scott kent jones and there you can find information about how to give if you give just five bucks a month you will get a shout out on this podcast and help develop some future podcast projects that will be unfolding in the future thanks again to sponsors and please if you like this podcast consider becoming a patreon sponsor and now back to our conversation about friendship so, yeah, it's, you know, there's an article in the New Yorker a couple of years ago, and one of the things they were talking about was they were, they were trying to figure out how just the nature of friendships and what you learn from primates. And he, what is it? he says that basically uh, you can have, he thinks the number of people we can have as friends, casual friends, like people that, you know, it's, it's about 150. And that's what you'd you know how many people you'd have at like a large party right that's those are your casual friends and then he thinks from there you you go down to a rule of scale the next step down is is basically 50 the number of people you'd call uh close friends maybe you'd have it like your birth like a party that's less a casual right. party your your inner circle you see them often but not so much that you're concerned to be your best friends, they're, they're closer. And then there's the circle of 15, the friends you can turn to for sympathy when you need it, the ones you can confide in about most things. And the most intimate number uh, in this study, it's called the, uh, this is the Dunbar number, actually, after Mr. Dunbar. I'm so, the most intimate number, Dunbar number five, is your close support group. These are your best friends and often family members. Now, on the flip side, groups can extend to 500, the 
the acquaintance level and to 1500 the absolute limit the people for whom you can put a name to a face uh when you get over 1500 i guess you can't yeah can't do it again unless you're bill clinton <laughs> something like that or you've preternatural relational yeah skills. no i remember i probably knew my last year in young life i probably knew the name of almost 800 kids in four different high schools but that was my the gray matter was still very much more malleable back then but it's no i think that's an interesting thing I, you know and i'm as, as i'm even listening to those numbers i wonder how many people out there <clears throat> have five people they could call at any time or 15 people that are intimately concerned about their lives i i don't know i think that's uh i think a lot of people don't have those 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 kind of numbers well, yeah. Now, here's the other interesting thing. When Dunbar consulted the Anthropological and Historical Record Bill, we could even find data in the 5th century, your favorite. He found that there's some interesting historic corroboration of his thesis. The average group size among modern hunter-gatherer societies where there was an accurate, where, there, where they could get accurate census, census data was 148.4 individuals. Company size and professional... Uh, I feel bad, feel bad for that 0. 0.4 guy. <laughs> exactly. I, I think I'm generally 0. 0.4 of a person. Um, and he said company size and professional armies, Dunbar found, was also remarkably close to 150. From the Roman Empire to 16th century Spain to the 20th century Soviet Union. Uh, uh, at the Occident, the companies formed battalions that ranged from 550 to 800 and even larger regiments. Yeah, there is um, there's a, and a book just out, and I just lost the guy's name. It's called Tribe. He was one of the journalists who won that Academy Award about they were uh, – and and embedded in a. You've told me about this, but we needed. We should talk about this in the podcast book because uh, he was embedded in that uh, with those Marines that were attacked in Afghanistan. Uh, his colleague was famous journalist who was killed in um, Libya. But he in this book tribe he talks about this platoon, which is even smaller than uh, you know. That's about what forty people is in a platoon. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And at any rate, uh, so that that's actually. You know, that's kind of, you know, even the smaller hunter-gatherer group, that was your, you know, your subgroup within the tribe. And that, you know, part of his, he experienced post-traumatic stress after being embedded. And and, uh, he talked to other people, and he thinks a lot of that really came from people who were part of a group of folks that they were so dependent on each other. They lived together. They ate together. They defended each other. They slept together in the same barracks, and that that's kind of how... Not he, in the biblical sense. Not in the biblical sense, but... In, Although maybe sometimes. No, but in in the sense, that's how Homo sapiens have been had been living for most of whatever number you want to put, how long we've been around. It used to be under 50,000, but it looks like years, but uh, new studies are saying we might be have been uh, a distinct species for longer than that. So, yeah, and I... I you know, one of the things... I, it's funny that you're saying this, because I've been doing um, consulting with a regional um, a denominational group and that... But it doesn't have to. Bill's national talent. If yeah. you get a problem, call Bill. He, can, right. he'll, he will... Uh, no job is too big. No fee is too big. <laughs> That's right. There we go. <laughs> and, uh, and if it's a big enough problem, I'll bring Scott along we'll, and we'll, uh, we'll drive in to the Ghostbusters. We'll do the, yeah, exactly. And we'll do the podcast in Ghostbusters outfits uh, with the backpack. <laughs> I mean, we really... Uh, we'll come to your elders meeting in the Ghostbusters costumes. And we'll do a sliding scale, but it doesn't slide too low. <laughs> I did I did get a phone call the other day. Someone asked me if I do exorcisms. And I said, well, well not... I can testify that you regularly exercise, because sometimes <laughs> you come here before or after the gym. Although today, you look in front, you shaved, you're, you're, I mean, you're, you do not look like you're, you're in pre- or post-gym mode. No, no. But anyway, I asked the person, what's, what's, you, what's your problem? And they said they keep having... 
sexual dreams about their ex-girlfriend. So I'm pretty sure that's not demons, but I'll get back to you. We don't know. The word succubus doesn't exist for nothing. <laughs> How much does he know about that? I didn't bring that up. I didn't want him to know that. But <clears throat> what's interesting, um, a lot of the churches that are worshiping around 40 members or 40 people, um, you know, now their long-term viability is 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 really up in the air. But on an average, those churches are much healthier and happier than the larger ones because they have they they have a family now in terms of growing and things like that that's a different that's a different subject um i just read his book the guy you interviewed about uh getting jesus wrong remember his what's uh, uh matt johnson matt, through all his his he's probably listening to this matt, well i mean not live he's matt, not on live yet but well matt and i actually sold you some copies of your book with my i had a bible study or a book club that we used your book but you know it's interesting as he journeys through all these different i mean Everything that's going on in Christianity, evangelical Christianity now, you know, ending up in a smaller church that's really a family, a community. Uh, I think that's, uh, I mean, there's, there's something to that. And, um, so for those of you who are, um, struggling and thinking, struggling smaller churches and feeling that maybe you're not doing it right, you may actually be, um, speaking to some of our most deep seated needs. And if you're in a large church, there's no, problem there that a few key funerals can't solve. So <laughs> I will say the one thing I like when I was a pastor of a large church, I never hardly ever kept score of who was mad at me. Because you know, <laughs> you, know and you know what you also said that you like? Like I always had someone to have lunch with. <laughs> That's true. That's true. You always had a lunch date, right? And the other thing I liked about it is that I could and this was maybe tempting and deceptive, but I we had we had generous people, we had a great deacons fund. Uh, I could actually solve a lot of short-term problems for people. And it's interesting being, you know, I don't have that kind of power resource anymore. And it's it's been an interesting spiritual challenge. You solve those problems one podcast at a time. Yeah. Now, let me tell you, the social media, Bill, has not changed reality. Basically, it looks like our, our capacities have not really changed. Uh, but what it does allow us to do is that it allows us to keep track of people that we would otherwise lose track of just because of the right. number limit. Yeah. But what's interesting is that somebody just gave us a thumbs up. Who is that? Hi, um, Karen. Karen Collar. Nice to thank you for the thumbs up. That little, I just wanted to address that little. Yeah, clip. thank you. I don't know if that really, if we, anybody heard that, but we heard it. Just, <laughs> I don't, Facebook Live gives a whole, we got to really be on our game. So you got to be cagey. Yeah, I forgot. I think I scratched my nose. Exactly. I forgot we're on Facebook Live. Sorry. So when the Michigan, when a Michigan State University researcher Nicole Ellison surveyed a random sample of undergraduates about their Facebook use, she found that while their median number of Facebook friends was three hundred, they only count an average of seventy five as actual friends. Yeah, well, you know, I, I again, I there are, I mean, two of the, my closest friends in the world, uh, you know, one I haven't seen for a couple of years. Uh, and another guy, you know, we see, we talk once in a while, maybe see each other a couple of times a year. Um, but it, it is, it is interesting in terms of, of what are the friendships that last? I mean, nice thing about Facebook is, I mean, I'm in touch with people from every phase and stage of my life. Um, you know, I, I occasionally, when I'm back home, I have coffee with uh, a person that I've you know, known since grade school. And we went to the same church and everything together. And that's uh, that's kind of a cool thing. But um, I do think that sometimes, you know, one of the things that's, that social media reminds us of uh, is how – uh, how lonely we actually are. And, so, and the quest for genuine friendship is as much a, um, a task as now as it ever has been. And I think, you know, it was Thomas Aquinas who said that the highest friendship is 
or the highest love is friendship. And of course, the highest friendship is to be friends with God. And I, I do think that um, finding ways to stay connected with people, um, finding ways to share, you know, the most important things in our lives with each other, having someone that, you know, just even someone who can kind of say the honest word to you in love. I mean, how many people do you have in your life that can say the hard thing to you that, that that's safe? You know, I think to me that might be the ultimate measure of of what a, a friend is. Can that person say about anything to you and you know they're going to, you know, you're not afraid that they're not going to be there anymore with for you? And if you become a Patreon sponsor, Bill will do that for you. <laughs> Just tell him the hard word you need said and he will will record it. Yeah, no. And for $10, it's an audio file. <laughs> and at $15, we'll do a full video. By the way, I do want to say something, not to break your... By the way, you jumped me, because I was going to talk about Aristotle, so we have to go backwards now, back to the... Okay, I didn't mean to jump but, you. You know, <laughs> but I think... So, I, went, I went to the guy who made Aristotle better. I like it. Yeah. That's true. I want to say that we said that we'd give a shout-out, which we do... Uh, often to people that are five dollar a month sponsors. If you are, if you become a ten dollar a month sponsor, I will. I think ten dollars a month. Or should I say fifteen? I don't know what you're about to so say. You, you tell me the market value. I'll say. I will record a karaoke song of your choice and send you the wave file or the MP3. Any song they want sung. I think that I think you have to pay them for that. <laughs> <laughs> I think if if, if you. <laughs> sorry. Oh, what did David Babico just say? He said, Bill's got wisdom on this friendship thing until I interrupted him. (laughs) (laughs) Dave, thank you. I'm going to stop interrupting Bill. But there you go. So I was going to say... But having seen you in action, you are entertaining as a character. Oh, well, I was thinking maybe for 10 bucks. For 25 bucks a month, I will go do it at McGillan's and video. I'll do it in front of a couple hundred people and video it and send you the video. You've kind of missed my, my assessment of the karaoke being a reward. Oh, I'm just going with it anyway. I'm just going. Yeah, I, I ignore when you say the hard things. <laughs> that's, what, that's how we stay friends. <laughs> oh, my goodness. One of the times when, on the Howard Stern show once, Jackie Martling, who was you know the joke writer for years, he, he used to sing, and he wrote the song about Long Island, which was terrible. And Howard's like, Jackie, it's terrible. It's really terrible. He's like, you're just saying that. He's like, no. You don't understand when people say you're just saying that it's usually good. <laughs> Why would I be just saying? I'm telling you, it's terrible. That reminds. There's a great scene from um, uh, one of the Academy Award a couple of years ago for uh, foreign films. It's uh, the English translation is The Great Beauty, and it's a it's a beautiful film filmed in Rome, and it's about a guy who wrote one great novel when he was 24. And he decided for the rest of his life he was going to be the king of the partiers in Rome. So he, it, it starts with him turning 65. Um, but they have this group of intellectual friends and, uh, and one, one woman is always, is a Marxist is always pontificating. And, you know, she, she's always kind of judging everybody else. And, uh, he, he says to her, you know, you, you need to stop boring us with all these untruths. And she goes, what do I say if it's untrue? And he goes, do you really want me to say this? Mm. She goes, yes. And then he proceeds. He begins by saying, I say this, I, we love you anyway, but, and then he just deconstructs her entire life. And, you know, your life is as miserable as the rest of us. We all are desperate. But it's, I've never seen a scene where the per. I mean, it's devastating and everyone around him is going, no, don't say this. But it's, you know, it has nothing to do with the faith. But if there's ever an example of speaking the truth in love and being humble 
while you're confronting somebody, it's that scene. Uh, it's it's actually it's it's beautifully devastating. The film's the the great beauty. Um, I don't know that you can speak the truth in love, but I think unless you're Jesus, I I think that our tendency. Well, then why were we told to do it? Yeah, I mean you you can't you can't deconstruct everything we're told to do. Sometimes we have to try the best we can to do it. I can't. Well, I can deconstruct if we I want to. Well, you can't. No, no I'm, I'm just saying, saying I'm not saying you're not allowed. I didn't mean to. No, I'm just saying I'm not saying that. If, as an I, apologist, I forbid you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think descriptively that yeah. that is what beauty looks like. That's, that's me forbidding <laughs> <Exactly>. you. Verboten. <laughs> Nine. Nine. Uh, Nine. I think that like generally though we either err on the side of truth or love. I just because we're not generally capable of dying. Like, just, we, you and I both have spoken tr- truth to each other and love. Yeah, but generally, I think everybody's generally either a little more loving or a little more truthful. But how do you measure that? I don't know. I mean, I just think, I'm just saying human experience, it, like, I, I mean, there are artful experiences, but I think generally it's it, it's hard to hold them in tension. I, it's hard to hold them in tension. Maybe it's a long obedience in the same direction. That's which is from, a, from him who shall no longer be named. Which is a nod to both Nietzsche, one of, Nietzsche one of, and Eugene Peterson. And Tim Keller. We have a list of those who shall know. <laughs> but can I, but for instance. Can we do this? So if this was a video podcast, at the end we could just do a thing of those who shall no longer be named. Can we scroll their names? Or we could have, we could start having pictures in the back, headshots in the background of, um, you know, our 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 favorite uh, unnameable ones. No, but I think it. Uh, you know, maybe some some days I get the truth better. Some days I get to love better. But if you're walking with someone, this again is friendship. That you that you know what. Regardless if I get it wrong today, okay, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be here tomorrow. And maybe I have to say I'm sorry. Um, you know, maybe I have to say I'm sorry because maybe I should have spoken earlier about this. Or you know what, I'm sorry because some of what I said to you. Was more about me than you, but I still think it's it's speaking the truth in love is maybe the most important dimension, maybe one of the most important things friendship can have. We just got, by the way, a thumbs up from Tear Hardy, and that was just giving us love. Oh, maybe and truth. Maybe he just gave us love and truth. <laughs> Tear Hardy is part of the Crackers and Grape Juice oh, okay. Crack Team with our friend Jason Michelli. Yeah, well, Tear, I look forward to talking to you one day or meeting you. I think I, I appreciate the work you guys do on that podcast, and you should have Bill and I on together sometime. And then that would kill all your ratings, all your <laughs> listeners. And you can, if I when I came on, if I, I didn't see, get right rid- there, you did truth and love right there in I, one paragraph. I, I, if I if I didn't get rid of all the listeners, <laughs> Bill will come on with me. We'll get rid of all of the six you have left. We'll get rid of. Yeah, it's kind of like we, I, I'm the sweeper. <laughs> Can I just take us back to Aristotle? Absolutely. So, Aristotle's got three types of friendships. But before we talk about that, that I that for every kind you have to have a couple things going. On. You got to feel goodwill for each other. Yeah, you know, that is wish each other's good. You got to be also aware of each other's goodwill. And thirdly, the cause of the goodwill must be one of the lovable, lovable qualities you mentioned uh, above, which are. Utility, pleasure, and the good. These are the three kinds of friendship. So one of those things. And this is interesting because you can't be friends. He, he thinks that all of this is necessary because you can't be friends with an inanimate object, despite how much I love, these robot I, dolls. And I love the, lamp. <laughs> yeah, and you know, these robot dolls. Are you dolls just that, saying that because lamp's in the room? No, I love lamp. <laughs> and these robot dolls get better and better in Japan, apparently. But, um, you know, Aristotle does t- state, though, that it's ridiculous ridiculous to wish well a bottle of wine a bottle of scotch maybe not but you can't have mutual goodwill there so that's so that's the thing there has to be this kind of reciprocity so the first level of friendship is friendship of utility right right 
those are friends whose affection is based on on utility and they don't love each other in themselves but in so far as some benefit accrues to them for each other right like you come to my daughter's wedding and you want a favor <laughs> <laughs> but there are people who you you wind up like Let's say you are you become friends with the starter on the golf course. He likes your jokes. I become friends with the person who cut your hair. Exactly. Yeah. One of those or things. your favorite waitress. And an interest that you you are friends with the one who cuts my hair because I cut my hair. But No, I mean but I was trying to illustrate. <laughs> I cut my own hair. But you so you have achieved that friendship goal. So that uh this friend is not love for their own sake though, but for the benefit. So if the so theoretically the starter at the golf course who likes your jokes and you know likes your insights and bumps you up a little bit on the tea time or whatever if he loses the starter job you know uh or you lose your sense of humor i guess i don't know whatever <laughs> <Exactly, yeah. laughs> or you're the you know they, these things are very base and they're but they're not completely inauthentic i mean no, people no. in politics and business also have friends that they're mutually beneficial to each other right yeah and there's some real regard right yeah Number pro quo, yeah. Number two is friendships of pleasure, uh, where we enjoy them not just for what they can do for us, uh, but because they're agreeable. I might have just confused one and two, because really business partners or classmates are generally type one. But these are type two are people that, you know, would be they share the same hobbies, hunting partners, drinking buddies, maybe a a romantic liaison or something like that, that. You know, I had great, I had great friendships with the, the guys. We watched our kids play lacrosse together, and that, that you know, really close to those guys. Had a lot of fun. We'd have lunch during those times. Uh, over those couple of years, we had a great run with our team, and felt close to those guys. And never talked to them again after the yeah. last, after the last lacrosse game. So I think that's a classic example. I think it was real while it was lasting. It's interesting too because Aristotle thinks that. With the young friendships of pleasure, it happen more often. I guess you get a little more cynical or wise, or the combination of the two. And you, you, you get more as you get older. You get more utility. <laughs> you want friends that are useful. Well, you also not just have, pleasure. You can have. You know, a lot of people have a different best friend every year as kids. I mean, yeah. just because of whatever. Yeah. You say you often say I have too many friends. I'd say that about you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, um, I just like a lot of people. No, no, I'm not against. But we've you. made a list of people I don't like, which we shall. Which it's I don't often don't say it that, but we will not read on the air for fifty dollars a month. We will read. Bill will read out and comment on the people well, I don't like. Because and a lot of that list has gotten much longer over the past few years that we've as we've talked about it. Yeah. Sometimes I call you just to tell you I don't like someone. But because initially there was an early conversation in our friendship where I said, you know. You have more close friends than people I know in the world. Yeah and, yeah. and so the first time you said, I really don't like that person, it was like, I mean, there was don, don, don. There was really, I literally heard music and there was light that shone. I have the most friendships, the best. <laughs> I have such good relationships. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. So for him, the highest friendship, and this gets into what you were saying from Aquinas, is the friendship that's oriented to the good and the perfect form. This is the perfect form of friendship, although there are no perfect friendships. It's the ideal form um, where they, these friends wish uh, each alike the other's good in respect of their goodness, and they, are, and they are good in themselves. So they really, these friendships last, you know, as long as that goodness or desire for the good, the true, the beautiful is there. 
And so, you know, sometimes if, if for Aristotle, at least that, and maybe it can drop levels to pleasure utility, but (laughs) for him, this is the highest form of friendships. And he, he says such friendships are of course rare because such men are few. Moreover, they require time and intimacy. People who enter into friendly relationships quickly, like me, have a <laughs> wish to be friends, but cannot really be friends with, without being worthy of friendship and also knowing each other to be so. Yeah. The wish to be friends is a quick growth, but friendship is not. You know, one of the things that's interesting, uh, towards the end of Thomas Halleck's uh, book, I Want You to Be, he has this really poignant, you know, really, a, it's something I've had to go back and reread a couple of times, his discussion of death. Uh, but he talks to this really poignant, uh, I don't know how old he is, but he's saying, you know, he's getting older and so he has friends and family people who are dying. And he talks a little bit about how, you know, two things happen, you know, there's a part of me that dies with the loss of each friendship. But my hope is that there's a part of me that's taken to eternity as well. But that is, you know, I think to care and love people enough that when they're gone, that you miss them deeply, that there are really holes. I have, you know, I, there's this one guy who who, uh, who died way too young who, you know, I, I, there's still there's still a hole there. I mean, he and I had, uh, um, yeah, he was a special guy. Hmm. And uh, um, anyway, so I have not forgotten about you, Joe. Anyway. Yeah, and, you know, it's interesting, too, that, like Aristotle's view— is decidedly pre-Christian and that he's skeptical that you could ever have friendship with the divine, which Aquinas right, well, the, well, is critical of. Aristotle's God was not something you could have a relationship with. Could you have a relationship with Bette Midler's God from a distance? <laughs> well, easier than Aristotle's God. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Right. No, that's, 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 I mean, from a Christian perspective, that's part of Aquinas' corrective of Aristotle, though. I think he corrects Aristotle in other places as well. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it's interesting. Pope Benedict summarizes sort of the impact of the incarnation on friendship. He says, Jesus calls me his friend. He welcomes me into the circle of those he had spoken to in the upper room, into the circle of those whom he knows in a very special way and who thereby come to know him in a very special way. No longer servants, but friends. Yeah, and also uh, something also unique, I think, about Christian relationships that Bonhoeffer talks about in Life Together, uh, that we it's it's the Christ in you being loved by the Christ in me. But the, the other dimension of, uh, this is where grace comes in. So, for instance, our poor misguided apologist friends out there, you know, there's a sense where before we maybe are— <laughs> As opposed to our rich guided ones. Yeah, rich— <laughs> Well, I guess we've got it. If they're getting guidance, they got to pay for it. There we go. Yeah, but anyway, no. But I'm just thinking in terms of how this mean spirit that's in Christianity, and it's and right now, and and actually, it's uh, as God said to Cain, it's lurking, it's lurking beside me as well. It's, you know, I'm struggling with this. How do I? How do I dwell in the idea that um, that I need to surrender to the love of God that's alien and within me, but that's my connection to the alien love in the other person as well. So there's a sense where that I sometimes have to surrender to God's God's good judgment on the world and God's good gift uh, of placing, you know, of placing his um, love within each of us. Yeah. And I think, you know, two things, which I think, well, I've, you know, three thoughts, but the first is that to be friends with God is to be friends with one who is for whom power and control are not synonyms. Yeah. And so I think that one of the things that generally ruins friendships 
is is the desire to control. Like you know, yeah. uh, that, that the moment you want to control something, generally anything in life, you can ruin by wanting to control right. it. That's so true. But so I mean, and also I think I was thinking I, you and I have talked about this a lot. Like of late, I've been telling you this Robert Jensen passage in Story and Promise. How yeah. he says that you know certain realities make our um, future dependent on the past. So if this, then this, and then if you achieve or don't achieve whatever forever your future is colored by this past mark you didn't meet or if you met you're afraid you won't meet it again and he says you know the gospel comes to us like a promise which actually the future changes your past yeah and i think friends give you space to reinvent yourself and to you know to or or be reinvented or grow change devolve revolve evolve you know it uh, Lewis Smead said, the great Christian psychologist Fuller said that he was married seven times to the same woman. Yeah, and most marriages that are healthy and where there are people, you know, where people are friends and weather storms together and affection continues to grow, right? There's a putting away. You know, there's the seed goes in the ground, dies, and there's a rebirth, and so there's space to let people be reborn and for things about them to change and for circumstances to change and for to allow each other to have the space to be to have to be some something new yeah i mean you know uh maybe in some levels that's why old friendships um are the most precious because they have reinvented it they've you know not the friendships where you have to revert back to your college days or childhood days, and that's all you have to talk about. But friendships that have had to grow and change and forgive and be forgiven over over a period of time. Yeah, I remember years ago when we became closer. I mean, we were friends, but we became much closer several years ago. This is PP, not PP tape, but pre-podcast. <laughs> this is P, <laughs> P squared. So, uh, pre, like, I remember saying something to you because you're mentored a lot of people, and. You're a mentor to me. I mean, still are in many ways. I mean, you teach me a lot, but like, so you need, like, you tend to parentify your people that teach you things. And I mean, I remember telling you, like, Bill, I think I've got to let you be something different to me and it'll take me a while to get the hang of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and now I berate you for your fashion sense all the time. So mission accomplished. <laughs> no, I, I'm thankful for each stage of our uh, friendship, but I'm, I'm most thankful that, uh, for where we are now. And I, um, it's my prayer to continue to grow in that. And, uh, you know, um, tell somebody who's your friend, uh, tell them thank you for being, for being a friend. Yeah. And with regards to our friendship and this podcast, I hope the best is yet to come. Amen. Sending postcards
going home.